Become spellweavers, reavers, rogues, and men-at-arms, and answer the call of adventure. Pick up your sword, your axe, your spellbook, your bow, your rulebook, and your dice, and join the forces of good in their eternal fight against vile monsters, conspiring min-maxers, horny bards, and blood-soaked murder hobos. Discover the treasure trove of role-playing games here on Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. I'm your host and king of the boneheads, Ryan Howard. I am the R in OSR. And joining me once again this evening are two guys who you should all already know and love, but just in case you don't, uh, we of course have the Silver Boulets on here. Uh, that is Ian McGarty and Rocky Gardner, uh, creators of some of the finest adventures you can find out there for a wide variety of RPG systems. So guys, welcome back to Rolling Bones. Thanks. Thanks for having us on and letting us share some of our new stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, obviously, we are going to talk about the campaign that actually launched today for Fire in the Mole for Mutant Crawl Classics, one of the uh, perennial favorites of uh, the Boneheads out there and myself as well. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, last time we spoke, you guys had a Kickstarter for uh, Fantastic Geographic, which was successful and is now available. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that uh, particular project, how that went for you guys, and you know what people can get excited about when they go to drive through to get their own copy of uh, Fantastic Geographic. Uh, so we actually have two issues of Fantastic Geographic that have come out. Hmm. Uh, we say it's a zine, but it's uh, pretty polished and thick. Uh, some of the you know original zine creators would might be insulted by it but uh <laughs> it's it's just they just be both pretty books um i think we had a lot of stuff that was floating around creatively that we wanted out there but none of it was big enough for like a long-form adventure mm. so we've, we've got some some great stuff in, in both of them uh for a, a lot of different systems i mean the, between the two issues we've got we have rocky we have a morkborg adventure yeah we've um, got five systems between them yeah, uh, DCC, yeah. MCC, 5E, OSR, Morkborg. What am I missing? This one. Maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a lot of systems. Plus a bunch of systemless stuff that you can just drop into any game right at the table. Um, you know, that was our goal was to have people be able to find at least one thing they could go, ooh, this this will totally fit in my game, or I could I could work this into my regular group. Um, and that, I think we succeeded. I, I was really, I think we're both pretty, pretty happy with our yeah. turnout. We are sold out of issue one, our first printing of issue one. Um, and we're probably by the end of total com, we'll be pretty close on yeah. issue two, I think, um, yep. the discuss reprinting, but, um, but we've had a uh, good response so far. So we've, um, uh, really liked them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, when they say there's a little bit of everything for everyone in this, uh, in, in these zines, uh, they're not lying. They're not, uh, you know, hyperbolizing, if that's even a word. Uh, <laughs> there, like, there's mini dungeons, there's adventures, but there's also stuff, uh, like my personal favorite, there's a table for when your party asks if they can buy horses in the town they're in. That helps you kind of determine what would be available based on the surroundings as far as horses or other uh, various livestock go. So there, there really is a lot of like cool things in there. And some of that stuff's just to take the burden off whoever's running the game, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you go, oh wait, like I have their hats on me about this. I have a chart somewhere for that. Like you've seen it, I can pull it out of something really quickly. Yeah, we've got a lot of charts that are still floating around that will make it into future episode or future issues as well. Yeah, we had for some weird reason we it was, <laughs> I don't know if it was like a challenge, but we 
we were making random charts and we just kept putting them in a file and I'd see a new one he did and I'd be like, oh, and then I'd have to make a new one. Yep. But all stuff like, is there a horse? Is there, what's this r- weird mushroom going to do to me? <laughs> like, uh, what, what, what is, what, of, uh, what's, what's this guy have in his pockets kind of stuff? Like yep. all, all sorts of uh, like goofy charts that this might be fun to roll on and have some interesting effects for a couple uses. Yeah, what's this guy have in his pockets is a big one uh, that that I've always struggled with because there's always that one guy. There's that one guy at the table yep. who wants to loot every single corpse. Well, the 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 Morkborg adventure in in issue two has uh, like a possession. It has some possessions chart on on there, mm-hmm. but it's very Morkborg, so it's a little a little bit darker. Yep. Um, and that one yep. too, we made we made. The description because they're supposed to be in like a bar in that adventure so it's just patron after patron after patron so we're like if someone asks the dm what the patron looks like they have to roll all the way out on these charts and roll like like six dice sure <laughs> like keep roll all right now give me another d6 now another d so until they they get the patron and you get a full description uh just based on that but you want it to be a little bit onerous for the player because you don't want to describe every person in the bar like that would take you forever Mm-hmm. So it's so painful for both of you, I think. <laughs> but, but it stops them from looking. And you get a goofy, very Morkborg patron with uh, something going on with them. So, yep. Yeah, it's it's always interesting the details that players will fixate on, and how often those overlap with details that dungeon masters go, "Well, no one's going to care about that," and just. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we. I think, and we always try to have some weird stuff in our adventures. We try to. I think I try to put more weird stuff in Rocky. Says like pumps the brakes on me. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta pull it back a little bit. I'm a lot more about the descriptive text, and he's a lot more about. Let's see how how Gonzo we can get this week. Some of it, yeah, which is why it lends it lends myself to the like the MCC sort of adventures that are just outrageous and science slapping right into the like ultra science messing with everything and changing things and, and altering the rules. I, I dig that. Yeah. And, and Ian, you were responsible for one of my favorite sentient magic items I've ever encountered in my gaming career uh, at North Texas in 2021 when there was the cowardly invisibility cloak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not, I don't even think that's originally me. I'd, some other people have definitely done that before, but I, mm-hmm. I like it. I, I, that's one of the reasons I like in the Mutant Call Classics that like having the AIs because you can add sentience to like relatively not powerful items and have them you know interacting with the players and uh, and creating memorable items. I think one of the Mutant Call Classics game I'm running right now, um, one of the guys has like a goop that appeared in a like a fridge that has just sat there for a hundred years and gains some sentience. And he's like, instead of killing it, he was like, this thing's great. And he just brings it with him everywhere. It's his pet now and keeps feeding it. So it's happy, you know, (laughs) but it's, but it's that sort of stuff that makes it a little bit more fun for a game and memorable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, speaking of, of conventions, uh, you guys are the first people that I've had on the show since uh the most recent game hole con happened that were actually in attendance so uh tell me a little bit about how it went this year what was it like and uh you know obviously it, i'm sure it was a good time i've never been to game hole con but it's on the list of conventions i want to go to it should be at the top of the list alex and company just they run the best convention that i've ever attended and i've i probably attended 75 to 100 conventions in my lifetime at this point um from beginning to end, you don't see any hiccups anywhere in the way they run it. Um, you know, people know where the tables are. There's always somebody around to help you out. Um, there's always it, events. Everything. Mm-hmm. There's always events. Things open when they're supposed to. People are where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. Like it, I, I bring the whole family to to game hole because you know they've got stuff like True Dungeon. They've got. Um, Buffer weapon combat. They've got you know things for the little kids, the big kids, everybody at game. Always an awesome game library with big tables. Yep. They've got like uh, 
a charity run. It's, I think it's Get Out the Lead that that runs a um, uh, miniature painting one where you just make a donation. So yeah, we both of us bring our families there, and the, our kids will go from events to paint like with more energy than we have nowadays. Yeah, uh, right. Event painting to event to and play uh, as many games as they can. So it's it's great for all of us. Mm-hmm. We we love it. And we were selling with the IPU uh, yep. this past year too, so that went that went really well. Uh, which was uh, Jim Wampler with Mud Puppy Games, Jeff Tulanian with Northman Adventures, and Jeff had, uh, had just released um, the new edition of Hyperborea. Yep. So he did have like a limited number of those books on sale, but those were gone within three hours. Two, two hours, yeah, three, three hours. hours. Yeah. 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 That, that we were so we were actually taking sales that he was giving people free shipping to. That's something he usually does too. If you ever encounter him at a convention, and you're they're like, "Oh, I wanted this book. You don't have if he has it uh, in his warehouse, then it, like he'll be like, I'll ship it to you. Just but but you know you can buy it right there, and and skip the hassle of shipping or filling it out. So, but uh, yeah, and Skeeter Green uh, Productions with Skeeter Green and and uh, Levi Combs with Planet X were there. But it was a great convention. The the guests were awesome. The games were awesome. Uh, it's it's uh, it was unseasonably warm in Madison, Wisconsin, too. So it was like it was yeah, just like an, it was yeah, it was, it was like an Indian summer kind of weekend and comfortable. Uh, I don't know. I can't say enough good things. Madison is great. Uh, Alex and Josh Hoy and all them they do have food trucks there that are so you're getting better than typical convention fair yeah and this year this year they had it the same weekend as uh university of wisconsin football game and i didn't even notice right like they run it that well where i didn't even notice it like you went downtown by the campus you would see all the people we would have did that for dinner friday night we saw how busy it was but other than that Mm -hmm. we didn't notice the influx of people at all they they just run a great convention when conventions and college football run into each other, it's always it's it's an interesting uh, mixture of people. I I remember very distinctly because Dragon Con is Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend's also uh, the big uh, kickoff for the University of Georgia. They play mm-hmm. you know, in downtown Atlanta, so everyone's there. And uh, I think UGA had lost that night. I. I couldn't tell you who they were playing because it was years and years ago but i'm standing there in my captain america costume trying to get out of the marta <laughs> to go back to the hotel the marta pulls up at the station the doors open it's filled with angry georgia fans and one of them just yells at me hey no nerds and then the doors close and it pulls away <laughs> yeah um gen con i've been there several times when they had preseason colts games mm-hmm. and their fan base doesn't act like that. Like they, they always like they just see themselves as the opposite side of nerd, right? Like they're all dressed up in their blue and white, running around being crazy, and we're all dressed up in our wizard robes or whatever. They, they're always super welcoming in Indianapolis to that type of thing. They have the motocross a couple times that can go oh, yeah. yep. that, that was not a good. That mix. was a little weird. That was uh. There's some, some some arguments for sure that that uh, appeared out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's. I think it's directly proportional to whether or not the team is uh, winning. Yeah, it the, could be the reception. How salty the fans yeah. are! Because <laughs> uh, like yeah. the next train was filled with the other team's fans, and they were all fine. They were happy and drunk and stuff. <laughs> They're like, why are you dressed up like that? And they're like, oh, there's a convention going on over here. Oh, that's interesting. No, game hole was, I think I, I played a few more games than Rocky. Rocky, you said you I got one. Them. Yeah. I got one game in. Which so, is more than normal for me at conventions recently. So I was excited for the one. But um, starting at TotalCon in the spring, I'll be... I'll be running more games too, so mm-hmm. I'll be get I'm getting back into the gaming side of going to conventions now. Finally, like it's that's an energy thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the for the people that don't know, I had cancer in 2020, so like the road to recovery has been a little bit rougher than they expected because you know staying home for COVID means uh, I couldn't go out and 
work out like I needed to to get back into shape afterwards. But I'm finally there, so mm-hmm. I'm going to be starting to really push it forward on that in the spring. Yeah, we've and so we are actually playtesting Fire in the or I put was playtesting it at uh, at Game Hall Con, so some people had a chance to play that. Um, that's why I know like Keith Nelson played. He's, and he he also runs a great game. Um, but there were some great DMs just in general at that convention that that crushed it. We played a lot. Nate Sims, my I played with my kids, and uh, Rocky's oldest son uh, was an Invasion Earth game that. Uh, they're they're working on, uh, which which was so much fun. It was really a blast. He had he had a great terrain set up with a uh, little creature like little uh, space soldiers, and we were just it was just a uh, a free for all brawl. We were fighting each other, so it, it <laughs> got ugly with the kids. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> all murdered each other. Uh, couldn't ask for a, be- a better uh, a better parenting moment, right? Yeah. Youngest daughter's trying to sneak around the building to shoot the oldest in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I I mean, I've played D&D with my siblings. I was running the game, though, and they don't actually care about, like, RPGs, so no one was trying to kill each other, but I imagine if I were playing in a game with one of my, one of my siblings uh, when we were young, there, there might have been a little bit of that. Yeah, we've. I mean, we've played with adults, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There's been fights and people stop talking to each other. <laughs> it happens. Now, since you brought it up, I feel like it's a it's a decent time to go ahead and and talk about this uh, campaign. So, Fire in the Mole uh, launched today on Kickstarter. Uh, for those of you who are watching after the fact. Uh, as of right now, you've got 20 days to go, so pretty much like the the rest of November uh, up through Thanksgiving, you guys can jump on this uh, project. Uh, but tell us a little bit about what players can expect uh, from Fire in the Mole. Uh, so truly, it's an uh, sentient AI that runs this uh, lab and has been alone for quite a time, but it put out a call for exterminators, so... When the players turn up, uh, he wants them to deal with this mole problem. Uh, the, the problem is not just a little uh, mole. It's actually a giant uh, cybernetically enhanced possum uh, that floors in lava, right? That's what this lab was doing, was doing these lava explorations. So it's this near undying giant possum that the players end up facing themselves inside a lab. Uh, while all sorts of stuff can go wrong with the reactor that the players will undoubtedly mess with. Uh, there's a lot of unique items. There's a bunch of unique monsters and um, uh, encounters for, for the area if your players are are putting it in. But you could basically drop this hex into uh, your basic hex crawl and, and let your players tear around. Uh, we Some of the art we have, we have a bunch of unique items for, for it, everything from quick single-use burn items to some funky stuff. Um, and I, I think a lot of unique monsters. I think we're up to eight, maybe. And I think eight, eight's the number that's sticking out in my head, too. And that's right now without the stretch goals and stuff. Yeah, so, and there's... Yeah, we, we did stick some stretch goals in. Uh, some of it is bonus material that I playtested, but just didn't include and hadn't written up, so we would like add some of that, like a post-adventure adventure. Um, and a bunch of it was player handout illustration books of the rooms I shared, because I shared we have a lot of good art, uh, really great art by some Tim Burns did some of the, the rooms that we have. So you could, like, it feels like you're looking in, uh, like one of the classic illustration books. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've also set up our layout in as friendly a manner as, as possible. And we've kind of um, taken our high-res map and uh, chopped out our room. So when you're reading your room description, like like Ryan, you don't even have to flip a page. You can just look at the room in the description um, and not worry about jumping to the map. You know what's in there. You know what you're looking at. And um, and you can run it quickly, which I think was, was our goal. I didn't want yep. people to and, have to like... And we moved away from it. box text for the most part in this one. Uh, we went to a bullet point system for the layout as well. So like... You'll have your general room descriptor, what's inside of it, you know, 
all, all these separate bullet points so that it's really quick to parse through the information to get it to your players, even if you've only skimmed the, the module once or twice. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we, we try we to know, make it we as know what you mean. damn friendly we've, as possible. We've all skimmed a module and tried to run it. Yep. Very, yeah. With and varying it, it, results. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, I wasn't supposed to let them kill him. Hmm. Oops. <laughs> but uh, we did stuff like that. And then there's a bunch of optimal stuff, too, and, like, guidelines for role-playing the AI. Uh, so I think, and we left those fluid enough that, like, it's still going to be, you know, your touch on what it is. But, um, and, like, you could run him a little bit differently than me easily and still have the same result. Uh, but, you know, once you have the sort of personality traits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's a great picture uh, on the Kickstarter page. Uh, if anyone's not sold on this, there's a great picture of a scientist monkey uh, wearing a Miami Dolphins hat. So... That's, so I... <laughs> done by the great Ed Bigford. Wait, what? <laughs> when when yeah. did that show up? <laughs> I put it in there. We've used it for Fantastic Geographic, but it needs to go in this one too. So mm. I put it in the art art list. So that that was a piece of <laughs> Rocky's like what? Rocky was really busy for for this period of time. So I sort of conspired with with Ed. I was like, all right, I need like a scientist monkey, um, and I was like, it really needs to look like Rocky with that. And Ed's like, you know, you do Ed. He's like, I've I've got this, man. I've yeah. got this. Um, and we have, I have another picture that a piece of his art too, that we own. That's, that's the monkey, like sleeping in a cryo chamber and it's like super adorable. It really, but then, and then it's him at the, with the lab coat, the scientist mm-hmm. monkey with the dolphin's cap. Yeah. Good <laughs> eye. <laughs> and, and Rocky, you'll, you'll be happy to know, uh, even though, you know, I, I'm not a dolphins fan, I'll say that. Uh, I'm a Panthers fan, so I'm right there with you as far as misery goes. But uh, my daughter absolutely loves the song Fins by Jimmy Buffett. It's like her favorite song. I was just playing it in the car one day, and she started giggling. And so we started doing the the, the Fins uh, dance. And Well, everything by Jimmy Buffett's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So that was my... But I'm I'm pleased. I'm almost pleased that Rocky just realized that now. That yeah, that I was, didn't. I that, never <laughs> noticed the hat. I said I never said anything. I just very you know like forwarded the art to him and just. <laughs> that's quite. Uh, yeah. See, that was the first thing I noticed about it. Was I saw the monkey? I was like, that monkey's wearing a dolphin's hat. Like that's Rocky as a monkey scientist. What yeah. the? Yep. A hundred percent done by me and I. Hmm. Uh, yeah, this. But oh, sorry, those, I, the, the monkey scientists are a recurring theme in my sort of. We, I kind of have these. For some reason, with the the mutant crawl classics, you could ask Rocky. I, I went on this weird like Quonset hut journey where I was like, I just pictured you did for like a year and a half, <laughs> <laughs> and I just kept drawing these like really intricate uh, post-apocalyptic Quonset hut maps and like building adventures around them. Um, I it, it was like my weird. COVID binge thing or something. Yeah, I don't, totally I don't, was. I don't know, <laughs> know why, but uh, yeah, so, and all of them run by monkey scientists that uh, it, it just brought me a lot of joy. So, and hopefully you guys can can see that as well in some of these adventures and, and have a blast playing them. And one of, the, one of the, one of the adventures in Fantastic Geographic number two is an MCC adventure that is got the, the same monkey dudes in it, right? Yeah, so it's there's there's sort of that was sort of my start was a postal app. Uh, that one is like a that one's not an officially licensed one, so we kind of took out any of the identifying yeah. stuff. But it is 100 percent compatible with Mutant Call Classics if you were to attempt to to work it. Mm-hmm. Um, you would, would likely have no trouble converting <laughs> that into. But yeah, that was kind of one of the the earlier ones. Another Quonset Hut stuck out there that the players get to tear around and. And that's what the the one that I have planned after this too, which is still a monkey scientist location, but it uh, it has a layer of uh, these bat creatures that are capturing uh, different different critters. There's something truly special about 
hyper-intelligent monkeys. I, I can't explain it. All I can say is every comic book universe has at least one character that's just a super smart gorilla, and the DC universe has, like, four. So <laughs> th there's something uh, out there. There was a whole movie series, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Planet of the Apes. There, there's something, yep. and it might be Planet of the Apes that, that did this, but there's something about hyper-intelligent monkeys that just kind of speaks to people at like a very visceral level. I do. And <laughs> I have a lot of planet uh, of the apes shout outs in, in my home game too, that you'll, that people will realize that some they're like, wait a minute, is this dude like named after Dr. Zayas? And is like, like I'm making all these connections. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, but it, but it is. So <laughs> you see that, but yeah, we, the, Hyperintelligent monkeys is like I don't know. I think if humans are always sort of like, are they communicating with us? They're so smart and they seem uh, so adaptable and able to use tools that I really want them to be building rocket ships and laser guns and like and and uh, tachyon weapons and just crazy stuff. Uh, I think it's, it's it would just be amazing. So and you see that in some of the design too. Like there's one of the rooms in this adventure is. Uh, like a monkey scientist locker room for these guys that go out. So it's like this three-level locker room with like all sorts of stuff to climb up to your locker on the third level if you wanted to. But I was trying, you know, trying to be like, what would it actually look like for these monkeys? Try to shift around the environment a little bit and make it seem a little bit weird, you know, monkey. Mm -hmm. That's one of the cool things about, like, Mutant Crawl Classics as a whole, and something that kind of, like, every great MCC adventure, when you go into these sites and you're you're looking for all of this kind of, like, lost tech, it's tradition at this point just to run into something mundane but also weird at the same time. Like, uh, Crypt of the Science Wizard is filled with that kind of stuff. The, the, yeah, like the hard air, when you're just a big plexiglass wall. You're like, what the yep. hard air? Like, I can see through it, but I can't get through it. This is ridiculous. The, the server room on level two, that literally and figuratively killed me. Well, there is a, a, a chance in this adventure to completely blow the facility up with the reactor if you nice. goof with it enough. Um, Tom Tullis played with us a game with me at game hole and came very close. So they had split the party, classic con adventure move. I love it. I'm allowing it to happen. So it was Tom Tullis and another fellow in the room, this guy, Bart and, uh, Tom screwed up the machine. Bart managed to stop it from blowing up, but overloaded a random room. You know what room that they rolled when they random rolled that die, right? The room with every other player in it. So it was <laughs> like classic con game shenanigans. It was it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's some again there's something interesting about convention games where for a lot of forever GMs conventions are where they actually get to play and. I think at that point, a lot of them let their lizard brains drive. Yeah, it's it's a lot yeah. of Leroy, Leroy Jenkins moments at conventions. Hmm. We've done them, though. I mean, we do. Uh, I think some some uh, DMs will have recurring characters and stuff and play. <laughs> so so you can to try to alleviate some of that. But um, I think with MCC and DCC, like you should expect that, right? You're, you're playing a funnel and it's going to be a bloodbath or, or you're, you're going to burn out that mutant's uh, luck right to zero and in the home game you would never have any chance of recovery. <laughs> you know, it's like he's out yep. of luck forever. Um, so, it, But that's the, the fun of a convention game, you know? It's like that you grab that character and uh, do it like you're test driving a Ferrari, you know? You really, really lay that character out with all of its powers and burn through them if you can. So we, we've mentioned, uh, as far as like art for this book goes, we've mentioned Tim Burns. Uh, obviously, Ed Bickford has the, the great monkey drawing, and I'm sure several other things in there. Uh, there's a great picture of the, uh, the possum himself by Chet Mitten here on uh, the, the Kickstarter campaign page. Uh, who else is in this book as far as like art goes? 
Well, Chet, Chet did that interior of the creature, and we immediately said, oh, my God, do you want the cover? And he was like, yeah, but I, I have a weird idea. Can I do it? Can I get get with you guys? And we're like, all right, yeah, like do what you, you want. Like We want to see what you interpret. So we did a front-back cover with like the sort of binding mark is the door, and it's, you know, so the back cover will be the players like trying to get into the store, sneaking in, and the other, the front cover is the creature just waiting. Um, and Chad adds so many nice background details and touches to his pieces that you can see. Like, I love that there's, um, but you can see like the schematic for the creature in the background if you look up on the screens. Yeah. Uh, we have a bunch of stuff by Mike Greer as well. Um, who's uh, one, one of our newer artists that we've, that we've gotten in, and he's uh, unbelievable. He did some stuff in um, Fantastic Geographic 2. He did this shadow demon picture. Mm. Oh, uh, that thing's amazing. It, it's, uh, it kills me because it's, it's only like a, like a quarter page in a digest size, and that thing could be printed you know, like a full page and because of the detail on it and the, like it literally nailed it. Like the creature looks like it's peeling out of the shadow and becoming um, corporeal. And it like, I don't know, I don't even know how he did it, but he did a bunch of our items for us and he's doing um, some of the, like the, the monsters, the turrets and stuff like that. Some of these smart metal critters that we've gotten there and his stuff is, is really stellar. Um, that's that's sort of about what we've used at this point. We're really trying to keep a consistent look for uh, some of the interiors. So we did uh, pretty much those those four guys for this one. Um, and I think Tim Tim Burns too. I think is another underappreciated uh, artist uh, who's getting out there because he did. I, I shared some of you in the, our chat. I don't know if you you can saw those Ryan, but there's like the the AI's like core. Like it's, it's room where it's housed. He did, oh, yeah. uh, like you're looking in the door, um, and you did this hallway that you encounter as you're, as you're going in. So you have, um, a look down that, what that feels like. Uh, and, and I think you really, really nailed it. You gave it that futuristic feel, but it's sort of gritty and run down still. Uh, so yeah. always looking for, for good artists though. You'll see more from Mike Greer too. Mike's done a lot of, cool MCC stuff that uh, we've been scooping up everything from this crazy two-headed turtle to uh, one of my favorites by him is uh, this weird pig centurion dude. So, and, and he's a guy who actually plays in my Mutant Paul Classics game. So he just apparently had tremendous art skill. He decided to share one day when he's like, Hey, what do you think of this? And I was like, what? Like, it's finished, finished quality stuff that he, and he's like, yeah, a graphic design degree you're like what what like how long have we been playing and you just bring this up now but he's a guy who's art like we'd love to see get out there too hmm. absolutely and uh, for those of you wondering whether or not you should back this campaign uh well for one thing you should uh but also as of right now it is fully funded and uh as far as stretch goals go um uh, we're looking at pre-generated characters uh, at $5,000, at $10,000 additional encounters, and then at $15,000, the art book uh, for, for the PCs at the table. Uh, so those are all like cool things that we can unlock if, uh, if people jump on this campaign, which, uh, you know, this is a great, this is a great looking product and it sounds like a lot of fun. So I, you know, I imagine people will uh, want to see these things, uh, you know, come to pass as it were. I think some of those stretch goals were like, we have higher goals for those because we were trying to look at our break even point, but um, depending on how things go, it might be and how much Rocky persuades me, we might, you know, do, do an add on item that people could purchase an art book kind of thing and then include some pre-generated characters mm. for sure. Yeah, that's but, Sorry, go ahead, Rocky. I, I, I didn't say anything, but um, I think you're going to have to persuade me because that sounds like a whole lot of layout, not a whole lot of map work. <laughs> that is true. We, as of this moment, too, we are what about about 80 percent done with layout. We were just looking to drop a few. Yeah, uh, seventy eighty. Um, I'm wait. I think that I finally have all the artwork in. Um, 
I would the past few weeks have been game hole, COVID, and fulfilling the Kickstarter, not in that order. It was fulfill Kickstarter, game hole, then get COVID. So um I'm a little behind on the I've gotten all the artwork in to me at this point. I just haven't gotten it into the module yet because of, you know, life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but, the actual, yeah, it's, it's, it's on right now. We're waiting on like one or two art pieces, I think. Uh, a couple like items uh creatures um that that still need finishing but that's that's about it like all the writing and editing has been done and it's just being uh dumped in there like we're we're pretty much ready to 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 print um so so i'd like to have our our you know test print our proof print done before our kickstarter finishes and i think that that's entirely doable for us in the next week yeah i think so too so we'll be as soon as we uh, finish the Kickstarter, we'll, we'll likely be ordering physical copies, uh, you know, within days, likely, uh, and then have preparing the PDF. So, so this one will hopefully be a quick fulfillment for us. Definitely. But I think we've always fulfilled quickly because we try to make realistic expectations about about life and mistakes that can happen. Yeah, that's that's something you guys have always been pretty good at, uh, at least like from my perspective, is you're good at judging kind of the the limitations you need to set for each campaign, what you can and cannot do uh, just based on your expectations for, uh, you know, how much funding is going to come in. So you guys really kind of have this uh, efficiency thing down as far as your campaigns go. Yeah, we know how to break even. That's yep. <laughs> at this point, our goal is, uh, especially with some of the MCC stuff, and we're ramping up for uh, some X crawl for Goodman Games. We're, we're super excited about that. Yeah, coming. we're super so, excited about that coming. Like mm-hmm. that. It, if if you don't know what X crawl is, start looking into it now. It's one of the best um, campaign worlds that has been devised to date. It's. Um, the old Amazing. the old campaign was 1980s wrestling meets dungeon crawl, so it's it's, it's fantastic. It's it, yeah, it's I mean it's it filled with 80s nostalgia and still a Cold War feel of monsters competing in in arenas against player characters in a team. Um, but we we always love the two because you're like you're doing the face and heel stuff and you're trying to work the crowd and like increase your fame and like uh that's one of the so expect pretty quickly an adventure we have a that i mean once once we're we saw that the beta rules were that close we um have what looks like it's going to be a series a three series module series yep Um, yeah our old x crawl gm we called him up and said you know those old adventures you wrote it's time to get them to yeah, us, really. so we can give to everybody. So, and that's that. That's something we're we're pretty excited about. Hopefully, our, our reach gets bigger, which is our goal, and uh, more people find and enjoy our stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I know very little about X Crawl. I I've heard people gush about it before. Obviously, I'm a huge wrestling fan, so uh, this appeals to me. But it also seems a little bit like uh, the Running Man in a way. It is right, right? Or Smash yep. TV? You ever, did you ever play yeah. Yeah. Smash TV in the arcade? Where you're, it's it's kind of like that too. Like it's got, um, but but all the many of the old crawl adventures are are well written, and there's like an underlying plot and story that uh, Brendan Lasall has has added into them. Some great adventures. We were lucky enough to um, play in uh, one of his his like test runs as he was trying to ramp up for putting this into the crawl classics style. Um, and it was Louisiana crawl. He was trying to, and it, Brendan released it and was raising money after one of the hurricanes. But uh, my favorite column ever is a bureaucratic red tape column. It was just <laughs> amazing. That would just bind you up and slow you. But uh, so just, it's fun. It's, I think someone asked what the, what makes X crawl so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's because it's like, it leans into the fact that it's like performative and you want to do gonzo crazy things in the dungeon. And that's what it is. Right. So suddenly you're like, your character's encouraged to do 
as as crazy stuff as you can because you're trying to ramp up your fans. Um, yep. and, 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 and I like it too because I think Brendan LaSalle was able to, in every iteration of it, and even in this one, he's overlaid a system that forces the players to work efficiently with each other if they want to succeed and do a great job. He has like a mojo pool that uh, is like bonus points you can add to things, but you can't use it on yourself. It's all about team synergy, man. It's all about like Rocky uh, saying like, all right, my character is going to try to take off the head of this creature in one. And I'm like, you know what? Take a point for that. And we're like, everybody starts piling in. Um, and it's like you feel it at the table when you're really in a good X-Ball game. Like it's palpable um, that that you're like, you feel like, like a team uh, in there crushing and, and trying to win. And then like the ridiculousness of, of sponsored prizes that are like a magic trident or something is just amazing. Yeah, and uh, one of my favorite things is the off-camera foils. So even if you never see the other teams that are competing in the same dungeon as you, you know they're out there and they're pressuring the PCs to continually move forward the story. And that's it's a great... Uh, storytelling device for the GM and the players to be able to continually push to the next step of the adventure. It, it it's great. The whole campaign is amazing. You it can't is. It's like, enough about it. It's I guess if you if you played fantasy football or done anything like that, and it's like an X crawl has a component of like you're this team sport trying to win in a league and increase your standings and gain fans. Like it's. I don't know. It's great. That's it's really it's beautiful. It's one of the best games I've I've played for role playing in in every iteration. Three Pathfinder, and and it looks like it from everything I've play tested with this new version. It's just as good. Now is this new version going to be tied in with Five E or or uh, DCC or what? Where it's, it's yeah, I think it's, it's a it's, it's a crawl, DCC. Right? Yeah, okay. but it's DCC, so it's like a crawl classic game, but it's. Um, Brennan's added new classes, new classes to DCC, but they're the uh, anybody who's familiar with X Crawl's seen them. So you've got a jammer, who's a, a bard-like character. Uh, you've got an athlete who can do crazy grappling moves and like hold down on monsters and fight them um, and do do all sorts of neat stuff like that. Uh, you've got uh, like some some specialized spellcasters. I was sad. I did really like the three five messenger. It was like a paladin cleric sort of hybrid, but that one didn't survive the cut to, to X crawl. So it might be maybe I can make my own and put it in. We'll, we'll see how bad I need it. Fantastic geographic. I know, right? I'll just make what I want and play it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it'll it'll be a blast. So so for sure. I mean, obviously, you can see we're we're excited about that. So I think like you you don't be surprised when you see some adventures for that pretty quickly off the block for us. Hmm. Yeah, that's... Once this becomes available, like, once the beta rules come out, I need to try to get a hold of those, and and the, I, I, I will take the opportunity at this point to, to jump on X-Crawl and, and see what it's all about, because I've never, I've never played it before, so it sounds like now's a good time for anyone who's curious to, to be looking out for it. We will hit you up when we are playtesting, too. Sweet. Cool. So uh, you guys mentioned uh, earlier on in the show when we were talking about conventions, the next convention y'all are going to be at is TotalCon. I've also not been to TotalCon. Uh, so tell people a little bit about you know wh- what to look for from you guys at TotalCon and uh, you know, just tell us a little bit about the convention itself. Uh, so so TotalCon Total is... Yeah, go ahead, Rocky. TotalCon's in Massachusetts in February, so it's cold. Yep. But um, it's all centralized in a single hotel uh, in Marlboro, I think is the name, Massachusetts. And it's it's a, probably attended by about 500 people, so it's a smaller convention, and it it's very... Um, it's very role-playing specific and very board game specific there it's almost like there's two separate conventions going on because the way the hotel is divided there's two wings that have uh conference rooms and they basically put all the role-playing games in one and all the board games and the dealer hall in the other but it's 
it's a great convention. Um, I'm going to be running the. I'm going to be playtesting the next module that I'm writing, which is kind of my homage to keep on the Borderlands. There, that's that's my plan. I'm, I'm finally getting back into the GM seat in February, so um, expect to see my name on the GM's list there. And I don't know. Are you running Fire the Mole there, Ian, or what are you planning on running there? Well, I'll be running our the next MCC adventure. The uh, right now it's uh, tentatively uh, titled the Jungle Excursion into the Lair of the Batman, um, and so, so I'll be running that pieces of that. Uh, I also have, um, I think I have an adventure like an adventure written, but I keep trying it in different systems because I can't seem to find the right one. So I play tested it at ShireCon using um, old school essentials wasn't quite right it feels like a western to me um so i i believe it's likely gonna end up as like a weird frontiers adventure um because it has that whole sort of demonic feel so i'm also going to be running that and trying it on another system to see if that one feels right uh but but i'll, I'll keep playing with that one until until it gets to the right spot for me gotcha gotcha now, you guys have mentioned it a couple times um, already, and, and I have questions about this myself, uh, gearing up for a couple play tests that I'm hoping to do uh, here in the not-too-distant future. When you play test adventures, what ideally are you looking for? Uh, you know, when you're at a convention and you're running a play test, you know, what, what are you looking for from the first play test... Uh, and then kind of like, how do you build on your kind of first experience actually running the adventure? So, the yeah, so the first thing, you want to make sure that the adventure is fun, right? Like, if everybody's sitting around the table bored, yawning, you know you got to go back to the drawing board. Um, then, like, it depends on what system you're running, because if you're running 5e, you know that, you know where to balance your encounters at, right? But if you're running something like OSE or DCC, you're looking to tweak those encounters so that they're appropriate for the, the characters that you have running through. Um, riddles, puzzles, and that type of thing, those are where you're really going to be digging into the nuts and bolts of playtesting, because you playtest a riddle with a hundred different people, and you might find that only five of them get the answer, or you might find that 95 of them get the answer, and you need to be able to tweak that so that you get that right percentage. I, we, we've talked about playing with Brendan LaSalle before in, in his playtest for uh, uh, X-Crawl, that he had a riddle where the answer was fire, and I answered it in like three and a half seconds after he gave us the riddle, and it, that bothered him for like the rest of that session. But I didn't think that riddle was too tough, and I, I honestly don't know if he ended up changing it, but that's that's an example of where you're looking in your playtest to make sure that it's tweaked right. Mm -hmm. Ian? I think, and I think I, yeah, I think Rocky nailed a lot of it. So encounter stuff, you are looking, and, it, and it, it does depend on system, right? Like, so if it's 5e, you're really trying to balance action economy, uh, making sure that that becomes similar, because otherwise your boss will just die quickly. Uh, you'll get to hit once per round, and then they'll just chew them up like piranhas on a beach whale. Uh, so it's it, and same thing. You're looking for what's fun, making sure that you did lay, you know, enough clues for the things that you have, um, and you know, looking at reactions to to how things work, making sure making sure it's not just TPKs every time, or uh, finding that sweet spot for challenge level. Gotcha. Yeah, that that all makes sense. So I, I will carry that forward. Uh, and I think audience matters too. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm writing something for my 12 year old son, it's way different than uh, my normal gaming group, right? My normal gaming group has got 15, 20 years of experience. So you got to keep your audience in mind too when you're when you're talking about this playtesting stuff. Yeah, I think it's kind of important to play it in a campaign style too, or at least like a couple game run. So you get a, a feel for what characters who are trying to live uh, may do. 
mm-hmm. as well as characters who are just like don't care if they step on the mine as long as they get to see something cool happen. Gotcha. Yeah, I get, and and it all it almost sounds like you you want to 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 speak to what Rocky was saying. You you want to as best you can try to run it for both kinds of groups like see if you can get a group of new people and then see if you can get a group of experienced people and just see how each of them tackles what you have uh like in front of them i will say north texas is uh a great gauntlet because you will get um oftentimes at convention games that you run you get a strange mix of people that may not work together as a team Yep. I think um, in North Texas, you'll get that sort of campaign savvy feel of players where they aren't making foolish mistakes. They begin working quickly together as a unit and they like probe and are cautious. Um, so that's a great testing ground for anything you're going to run. I'd, I always recommend North Texas and I try to run as many games as I can there, whether they're pickup or, or scheduled. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm taking. The, the games that I'm playtesting, I'm taking to North Texas. So those those will be there. That's the right that's the right move. Hopefully I'll be able to get into one. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be I'll be running three there. So Hopefully I get there this year. Yeah, you better. <laughs> that's that's a joke. Um I was scheduled and all set to go and literally at the airport when American Airlines canceled my flight not once, not twice, but three times over the course of North Texas weekend. Mm-hmm. So next year, hopefully, I make it. Yeah, and it was especially infuriating because our other friend made it from the same place. Yep. Yeah, we were literally right. on the same flight, but they he they got him on another flight, but couldn't get me. It was awful. I I'm not bitter though. I promise. I've, I've been burned one too many times by airplane, so like it's a long drive. It's it's about ten hours for me from from here to to Dallas, uh, but I'll drive that ten hours rather than deal with whatever it is. Uh, yeah, for me it's twenty. And uh, yeah, that my, that makes a difference. My wife just doesn't want me gone that long. I I would prefer to drive, but she keeps telling me I can't. So, mm-hmm. although next year I might anyway. We'll see. Don't yeah. tell her. Yeah, Crafty and Chat here, you better be there next year. You you and I need to have a drink, Crafty. You show up at North Texas. That's North Texas. I'm with him. If he's got to pick one, that's the one. Because, I mean, like you said, it's a bunch of RPG designers and writers that are all looking to test stuff with uh, some awesome players who and exceptional players. Mm-hmm. So, and he's, he nailed it, Crafty Man. Yep, Levi will be. So, uh, all of the Independent Publishers Union uh, goes to North Texas. That's our one where uh, we always are all together for sure. So, yep. yeah, Jim Wampler, we got, but it, I mean, the, the guest list there is amazing. Steve Winter is going to be running stuff there. You want to play Boot Hill with Steve Winter, you'll play it at North Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't. Uh, Dennis Star often runs um, Bunnies and Burrows. Which is super super fun uh, to play. You would you wouldn't think that it would be so such. You know, the first time I played, I was like, "What am I doing? I'm playing a rabbit game." And by the end, you're like, like fully into it. You can play uh, Top Secret with Merle Rasmussen. Yep. You can play Night Haven with Ryan Howard. Yeah, Night Haven with Ryan Howard. I recommend that one. Yeah, it's 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 a blast. There's always. Uh, just awesome DMs there. Absolutely. Man, it feels like every show I do just at the end turns into a commercial for North Texas. <laughs> you asked for conventions. Back there. Yeah, North Texas and Game Hole. Like, yeah. pick one, go to it. TotalCon, if you're in the Northeast, get to that one too. Like, those three, all three of them, I enjoy the hell out of. Yeah, it's kind of our move is to pick the best ones that we can and then add our regional cons, which sometimes your regional cons aren't, aren't the best, but you want to support them. So, yeah. Um, like I said, I've got, I think four here. I went to chaosium con this year and it was their first year. So it was a glorious train wreck, but I'm excited to go back next year and see how they improve it. 
Mm-hmm. Like that one was a lot of fun too, even though it was not enough games. But if your friends are there, all the conventions kind, are great. Kind of a food desert <laughs> yep. where they had it in Ar- Ann Arbor. You're like, there's no restaurant. UConn has there. it in the exact same place too. So I don't, I don't like both of the Ann Arbor conventions are there, and I like it's kind of a food desert. You're absolutely right. It's and, they, and I don't think they were prepared post COVID. They didn't have like the staff to nope. have their restaurants open for reasonable hours. So that was a challenge, but yeah. but I think that's stuff that improves as conventions get bigger. Hmm. Good good yeah. to remind if you're going to run a convention, get some food trucks there, man. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's something I've noticed is a definite like quality of life thing for uh, convention organizers is having like food trucks there at like the the peak hours, especially. Yep. Oh, you, you figure everybody's you know they're in a game for four they're at a table for four hours. What do you do? You get up and you run and uh, get a bite to eat, get something else, and then go jump back into games. So. I think that stuff is for sure a must. And the, I think at North Texas they call them wenches, but any convention that has people who will go to the GMs and say, hey, can we get you any food while you're running this game? That is also a lifesaver. At North Texas, yeah, you can essentially order anything from their restaurant. Just that will yeah, any, anywhere in the convention. Up. Yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll be sitting down to your game and someone comes in and says, Anybody wanna order like a drink? And you could get like any drink you want, and then you can get anything from the menu and they'll bring you like a pizza, a piece of grilled chicken and a salad, whatever it is you're looking for. Which like you said, it's it's killer. That's that makes yeah makes it that much better. Cool. Well, unfortunately we are running up against our time here uh this evening, so Again, I'll drop the uh, link to the Kickstarter here in chat for everyone again. Uh, But while I'm doing that, if you guys have anything else uh, you want to plug, anywhere else you want to direct people, uh, definitely go ahead and and do so. uh, Because, uh, you know, people need to know where they can find all of their uh, great Silver Boulet goodness. So DriveThruRPG has most of our products digitally. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Silver Boulets, on Facebook. Uh, both of us have a pretty big presence on Facebook. Hmm. Um, I'm at at Worst Blade on Twitter. I don't get there much, but I I do have an account, I guess. I called you out on that the other day. <laughs> yeah, you did. I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I don't like same thing. I I'm not super onto Twitter. I I'll uh, you'll see me. Check me out on like Instagram as well. It's all linked with Facebook, and you'll see random maps that I'm working on or, or posting up as well. So just finished up all of Skeeter's maps for the last of his projects, and Rocky's uh, just finished up his layout, I think, too. Maybe I'm, a little I'm bit in the middle of Skeeter's layout right now. Yeah. So, about so, other, I, the first book. other IPU stuff, keep an eye out for, for sure. Yeah, uh, like I said, if you haven't grabbed that new uh, edition of Hyperborea, go get it. Hmm. Absolutely, it's it's a gorgeous book, and I know several of you out there are waiting on your uh, waiting on fulfillment for your copies. Uh, but let me tell you, the the wait is worth it when they finally arrive. I should have I should have brought those over. They're they're over on my bookshelf. But, I just got my sh- shipping notice, and he lives like 30 minutes from me. I could just <laughs> go drive to his house. With a... <laughs> yeah, I'm about ready to tell him to spring mine to TotalCon. <laughs> cool. Well, that is going to do it for tonight's episode of Rolling Bones. Guys, thank you once again for coming on. It's it's always great talking with you, and uh, you know, it looks like you have another really cool campaign uh, scheduled for, uh, for Fire in the Mole. So, it everyone should you know jump on and back that if you if you love your mcc and want some more adventures to run in there that's a good one for you to back like we said high level so it's not something you you see a lot in mcc but um can definitely beat up the the higher level characters now Mm -hmm. absolutely well uh next week we are going to be joined once again by luau lu and uh, he and i are going to try something a little bit different Uh, I'm going to be experimenting moving forward with topic-based shows. 
uh, with, you know, people that I enjoy talking with and, uh, you know, have a lot of good conversations with. So uh, Lou and I are going to try that for the first time, uh, similar to what Crafty and I did with uh, Defensive 5e. So uh, we're going to be doing that next week with uh, the topic is setting and system and how they work together and how uh, your, your setting is, uh, you know, impactful on the, the system that you're using and, and vice versa. So uh, we'll articulate that a little bit better next week. But until then, guys, whether you rolled a 1 or 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I will see you guys next time.